Welcome to another episode of Tough Men of Faith. I'm R.T. Stringer, and today I'm not here with my co-host. Last minute, he was not able to make it today, but we have a special guest today. I don't want to say someone better, but... Definitely maybe? not. <laughs> oh, definitely not. <laughs> you know, one of the things I, I said when we started this this podcast that Nick and, uh, Nick and I, we wanted to have uh, conversations with some incredible guys, uh, some guys that are doing big things, some guys that we get to sit down and have coffee with, that we've learned from, uh, that we want to introduce uh, you guys to on the podcast that we think maybe you could learn from as well. Today we have Matt Barnes. I'll let him do most of his introduction, but you're a chaplain at the Indiana State House. Do you want to explain that? And Sure, yes. Um, almost 17 years ago, walked into the Capitol, asked if I could speak with the chaplain. They said, we don't have one. We have a really nice chapel room. So there was a chapel room sitting there. First state house in the nation to have a chapel room and no chaplain. And so went home and asked my wife if she'd think we could quit my job and go start a ministry in the Capitol. <laughs> Amazingly, she said yes. We had a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a six-month-old. I don't recommend this unless God is really pushing you. And we moved to a hotel room in downtown Indy and started the ministry inside the State House. So yes, I became the very first chaplain of the Indiana State House in 2004. Yeah. Well, I know uh, my co-host Nick was doing some research on you, and he found some article called you the most powerful man in the Indiana, <laughs> Indiana General Assembly. I'm guessing you've heard about this. Uh, you know, I, I say hyperbole much. <laughs> yes. But that was a statement by Representative Fry. He says that often. Yeah. Yep. So what I was hoping to do today is we'll get to, to where you took the initiative. You sure. told your wife you're going to quit your job, yeah. wanted to quit your job. But we just kind of like to hear how you grew up and what your childhood was like, where you came from, and what got you to the point to where you decided to kind of take that risk or that initiative to step off. So did you grow up here in Indiana, or what did that look like for you for childhood? So, yes, southeast Indiana. And by the way, uh, good to be with you, RT. I didn't yeah. say that first. Oh, no. <laughs> you had me introduce myself <laughs> first, but great to, great to be here. Yeah, southeast Indiana was where I spent most of my growing up. I was born in that um, southeast corner, well, Cincinnati, Ohio, actually. Okay. So right across the border into Ohio. Moved across into Indiana when I was 10 years old and have lived here ever since in Indiana. My dad is a pastor. And so he is still my pastor to this day. He's a church planter and planted the church where we are now about 20 years ago. And so been going there. But that's where I grew up with Southeast Indiana. And did you go to school here and college here in Indiana? Is that... So uh, I was home educated. Okay. And so um, that's actually how mom asked me if I wanted to be homeschooled was my hero was Abraham Lincoln. And okay. And from the time I was eight years old, I wanted to be president of the United States. So oh, okay. she came to me one day and said, well, Matt, what about, um, she calls me Matthew. Matthew, what about um, being homeschooled? You know, Abraham Lincoln was homeschooled. <laughs> well, if it was good enough for him, it's good enough for me. And so we began homeschooling. Um, and the problem with wanting to be president, RT, they can't see my face through the podcast here, yeah. but uh, I am slick bald. And um, the, we have not elected a bald president in the modern era of media. Are uh, you serious? I'm dead serious. I didn't know that. Television, internet, we have not elected a bald president. So my chances of being president went away with my hair. And so that's just, just the, way it, the way it is. So, yeah. But at, at eight years old, wanting to be president, then we being homeschooled, afforded me a lot of opportunities, and my mom was an incredible teacher. And um, and so just doing all the things that you can do as a homeschooler and then coming out of that somewhat unorthodox uh, educational background, mm-hmm. I also went to an unaccredited Bible college right here in Indianapolis, okay. met my wife here, and um, we got married and have migrated back to Indianapolis after moving back to southeast Indiana for our first uh, many years of, of married life. 
So what were you doing when you got to the place and you told your wife, hey, I, I think God's calling me to step out and be the chaplain at the state house? Well, that's a that's a really good question. You know, I grew up, my dad, um, he was a bivocational pastor. Being a church planter, you have to generally do another job as well. And so he did. He worked at General Electric. And so he was a an aircraft engine inspector. And um, then it, at some point in time, he bought a lawn care business for my brother and sister and I. We did that for about seven years, so I learned how to manage people, at mm-hmm. least my brother and sister. I'd yeah. fire my brother, you know, <laughs> and then he'd come back the next day, so that was good because we needed him. But um, So learned a lot about management, but Dad was always saying, whatever you do, always have ministry in mind. And so I remember distinctly one time Dad came out to work with us, and I was one of these guys in, in business, the more I could get done means the more money I make. Right. So the more grass I cut, that's the mm. more green in my pocket. Yep. Well, dad had a different view of work and he had a view of ministry. So one day he was out with us and, and we were all we got done with this group of yards in this subdivision and we got done and we get back to the truck and we don't know where dad is. So where's dad? So we're looking for him. We find him on the porch of this widow lady that we had just cut her grass and he was talking to her and just ministering to her, caring about her. And so he waves us down. And so we go down to this porch and dad says, hey, guys, I want you to sing a couple hymns to to this sweet lady, you know. And here we are covered in grass and sweat singing to this widow on her porch. And I've often wondered what the subdivision must have thought of the singing lawn crew, right? I mean, just get, but that was dad. Let's slow down. Let's talk to people, hear their hearts. And so then at some point we decided to sell the business and I went to work at Home Depot, actually. My brother and I did. And while at Home Depot, um, I was on the freight crew. So that nighttime freight crew, and if you've ever met nighttime freight crew guys, they can be rough guys. Yeah. And so it was myself, my brother, and six other guys. Well, uh, to add insult to injury, not only we'd have to get up at 3 a.m. and clock in at 4, the boss was a pain. In mm-hmm. fact, um, the King James Version describes my boss this way. It was, he says, uh, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle bosses, but also to the froward. And um, you and I know what froward means. It means jerk, right? So, so not <laughs> yep. only to the really nice bosses, <laughs> but to the jerk yep. of a boss. And it was so hard to be under him that one of the guys came up to me one morning and he said, Matt, I am going to give the boss a hug. Well, this guy (laughs) was a cage fighter before UFC was UFC. He was a a meanest man contest winner, ripped, man. He was something. And the type of hug he was going to give the boss, uh, the boss wasn't going to get up. You know, he was, he's (laughs) going to kill him, right? Yeah. And so I thought, well, I don't like the boss, but I don't want him to die. Right. And so I said, well, guys, what about if we do something different? When we clock in in the morning at 4 a.m., what if we pray, spend some time praying for the boss? And my brother's like, sure, Matt, I'm in. The rest of the guys are like, oh, okay. So that next morning, we clocked in at 4 a.m., and we met in the tile aisle at Home Depot Mm -hmm. and began to pray for our boss. And so then we broke and went to our jobs, and the next morning, clocked in, prayed for the boss. Every day, for a couple of weeks. And then the boss comes into the break room when we're taking a break at like 10 a.m. or whatever. And he says, hey, guys, um, I'd like to take you all eat, to eat at Cracker Barrel, my treat. And this is totally out of character for this guy. Yeah. And we just look around at each other. We're like, sure. So we jump in the back of his truck right across the parking lot. To, it was in Harrison, Ohio. And we're right across the parking lot, eat at Cracker Barrel, come back. As we jump out of the truck, 
the guy that said he was going to give the boss a hug, he was going to kill him, he says, thank you, Uncle Jim. And I thought, what? What has happened? Something has happened to where our boss used to be hostile to us. Now he's being nice to us, and the guy that was going to kill him has called him uncle. This is really (laughs) different. And so later on that day, the boss came to me and said, hey, Matt, could I join you for prayer tomorrow? And so I realized what had happened. Something had happened. As a direct result of us praying for our boss, his heart changed. But also, as a direct result of us praying for our boss, our response to our boss had changed as well. Our a heart will change. When you pray for someone, it is impossible to hate them. So it's impossible to hate somebody you're earnestly praying for. You will end up loving them. And this relationship began to happen. It began to heal at Home Depot as a direct result of prayer. And some of those guys there at, at Home Depot came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And it was a missionary effort at Home Depot. So before I became a missionary at the Capitol, I was a missionary at Home Depot because wherever you are, that's your mission field. You know, one of the things I've admired about you, and, you know, I think we've only met once or twice before this, is just from a distance watching your ministry is how you take initiative and do things. And so one of the things that when Nick and I started out this podcast is we felt like, you know, we call it tough, faithful men, Mm -hmm. but we feel like men of faith, men of faith, they should take risk. Like you have to be willing to take risk and initiative. You can't always play it safe. Mm. So your life, that's what I've watched from a distance. So I hear you tell this story that you're at Home Depot, right? The the easy thing would be to like find another job, but you tell a group of guys like, hey, no, let's start praying for it. (laughs) Right. And so you you do that and then you share, and which we'll get to it, how you started the state house. But on the personal level, I don't know if you remember, when we first met, I I, I can't remember if I reached out to you or you reached Mm -hmm. out to me, but... The reason we got connected is because you showed up at, my dad was a pastor at a church, and yep. you showed up at that church. Yep. And the reason you showed up at that church is my, my dad had re- recently ret- retired, a small church, yes. and he passed away in a four-wheeler accident. He did. And you just show up. Yeah. Like, I don't even think you knew anybody there, really. No. And you just showed up because you thought, there's going to be a hurting church, Correct. there's going to be hurting people, and I'm just going to go there. And that story, I mean, it's personal to me because it's my dad, yeah. right, in the church I grew up in, even though I'm still not there. So that was super encouraging. Mm. But then from the outside to hear, like, this guy hears about this and doesn't know anybody and this shows up. Yeah. So that initiative you took, when that could be a little scary for guys, right? Yes. I'm just going to go. But you did that. You start this ministry. Yes. And then even recently, um, you know, we had the mass shooting out at, at FedEx. Yes. And, and I know you had some connection there. But I, I remember shortly that next morning, I was, I was out of town and I heard about it. And I see that you're out at the, the hotel there where families are gathering. You're right. there. And I'm thinking, wherever there's a need, it seems like you're just stepping up and going. Hmm. So really what I want, guys, and yeah. I know you would say it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit working Correct. through you. Amen. But I, I really want guys to see that heart or to see that what drives you to say, I'm going to do something. Like something needs to be done, and I'm going to do it, rather than just play it safe. Does that make sense? It, it really does. I didn't realize that that uh, that's why you reached out to me because I went to that uh, church. I so I look at it, and I, I'm naturally an introverted person. People scare me. That's so interesting. Yeah. God pushes me to do that. What I've discovered is God does not like for Matt Barnes to be comfortable. As soon as mm. I get comfortable, the Lord's like, okay, we're going to upset the apple cart a little mm-hmm. bit. And he did that at Home Depot because I had been chomping at the bit saying, I want to do something for God full time because I had wanted to be president. And then at 19, God called me to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. So then politics got put on the shelf. And then I'm cutting grass. I'm selling two by fours. I ended up getting promoted in the store to where you know I had my own office and people would come to me for counseling. Mm-hmm. I kind of became the chaplain of the store. Things were going well. 
And I went on vacation, and um, I would encourage anybody who goes on vacation, if you're on vacation, go to church. Mm-hmm. Go somewhere, and you hear you hear the, the good news of Jesus in a different, slightly different way, maybe. Oh, that really s- strikes an interest. And so I did. I heard this message on 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, where it says that we're to pray for those in authority over us. Now, God had given me examples in my own life to pray for my boss, mm-hmm. right? I learned that even if I don't like my boss, I'm supposed to pray for him. That works works really well in the political arena because we don't always like our leaders, right? So it's right. like an American pastime. We elect them and then we blast that them. That is true. Yep. And so there's something about that. Though. And so I learned that lesson at Home Depot. And then God calls me to go to the political arena to pray for people that I might not like, I might not agree with. Mm-hmm. And yet the Bible doesn't give me an out. It doesn't say, if you like them, pray for them. Instead, it's actually you're to pray for all those in authority. In fact, God is the one that sets up the authorities in our civil government. And so that's really changed Change, it changes the mind in America, right? We mm-hmm. typically will have the American hat on and then the Christian hat when instead it should be the other way around. I'm a Christian first, I'm an American second. Yeah. And so as I th- pondered that of praying for leaders, um, it made sense because I'd pr- God had practiced that. So I was wanting to do something for God. God's like, wait, wait, wait. And then when he says go, I almost at that point said, oh, I'm a little bit afraid. Because I, you know, yeah. I did, I quit my job. I show up in downtown Indianapolis. I leave my family in a hotel room. I show up the very first day on the quote-unquote job. There's, I don't know a soul in the Capitol. I'm supposed to start something brand new. Yeah. And so I did what any scared 27-year-old kid would do, RT. I, I picked up my cell phone and called my mommy. And I'm like, yeah. Mom. <laughs> and, and what I did, I said, I said, Mom, why didn't God call Ryan? Ryan's my brother. Mm-hmm. Why did God call Ryan into this? Ryan's the extrovert. Ryan never meets a stranger. Yeah. He'd be better at this than I am. And uh, in fact, mom said this. She said, well, the reason God didn't call Ryan is because you, Matthew, are weak. I'm like, thanks, <laughs> mom. That's real nice. <laughs> Even from your I'm, own mom. Yes. Man. I'm sitting here outside the Capitol getting ready to start a brand new ministry. I've quit my job and I'm weak. But she said this. She said, when God does something amazing with you and through you in the next five to ten years, you'll know it had nothing to do with you and everything to do with God. Because in your weakness, God will be strong. And that was amazing advice, right? I mean, that's biblical. That's straight out of Scripture. And, and it was so true. Hung up with her, though, and I thought, you know, she didn't really give me anything practical. That was yeah. not real <laughs> helpful. So I just cried out to God and said, Lord, I need something to do right now. Would you give me something practical? And God was gracious. It wasn't a booming voice from heaven. It was just that still small voice that just said, hey, Matt, get out of the van, right? So mm-hmm. it was something that I had done. It was a step, something practical, and walked in the building, and God clearly wanted something to happen there. I went to the Senate. I'd never met my senator before, mm-hmm. so I thought, I'll meet my senator. Yeah. Went up to the little uh, re- the office there with the receptionist, and I'm Reverend Matt Barnes here to meet Senator Nugent. And, and she said, well, just a moment. Let me give him a call. Give the office a call. So while she called the office, this other lady came out from behind the wall and she said, did I hear you say you're a minister? I said, I am. She said, well, would you mind? uh, We don't have anybody to open the Senate session in prayer today. Would you mind doing that? Would you be willing to do that? And I thought, well, 
That's amazing. Yeah. Of course I'd be willing to do that. My dad says to be ready to preach, pray, or die at a moment's notice, so I'm, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. And so I walk in. I meet the lieutenant governor who presides over the session, met my senator, opened in prayer. We had a picture taken and went home that weekend back in Ripley County, and there was a five-by-seven picture of me in the paper, in the newspaper, and with the heading, County Minister, Open Senate Session in Prayer with that picture. And I thought... God can do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it. I, mm-hmm. I was selling two-by-fours last week, and he plucked me out of that to put me in the Capitol to share the good news of Jesus. God can do whatever he wants to do, yeah. however he wants to do it. That's God doing that, not me. Mm-hmm. And so praise God for that. Yeah, I love that story, especially with your mom telling you you're weak. that you're weak. <laughs> yeah, But that's so biblical. My, my favorite story in the Bible is Gideon. Yes. Because the angel comes to Gideon. And Gideon's in a in a wine press yeah. threshing wheat, hiding, hiding. He's so hiding. I always always joke about it because I think I picture him as like he has a little bit of food, like trying to yeah. get his lunch because he's worried the bullies are going to take it from him. Yes, so he's oh, hiding good, out there. That's a good description. And then when the angel Lord shows up, it's like, "Hey, mighty man of valor," and Gideon's like, "Yeah, who?" <laughs> I'm this, and he admits he's like, I'm the weakest in my family. Yes. And my family or my tribe's the weakest in this group. Yes. He's like, so we're the, I'm the bottom, my family is, mm-hmm. and then I'm the bottom of my family. Yeah, and yeah. I'm hiding right now. And you're saying I'm going to go to battle. <laughs> and God's like, yeah, I'm going to use you. Amen. So, I, yes. I, I, and clearly you identify with yeah. Gideon. I identify with Gideon. Yeah. Absolutely. That is me. Yep. I am a nobody. Yep. And I often tell people that I'm a nobody. But, you know, I've, I've found it in, in my house. I mm-hmm. wish I could find nobody. Because nobody does all kinds of things in my house. I ask who did this or whatever. <laughs> oh, no, nobody did. I wish I could find nobody. But anybody can do what nobody does if mm-hmm. anybody would simply believe that somebody can do anything with nothing. Hmm. And that's what God is doing yeah. in my life is something with nothing. He, if he can use me, RT, he can yeah. use anybody. And that's a fact. Yeah, I hear that so much from guys who are doing incredible things. Yeah. And it's true, though. Like once I get, like from the outside, if you watch them on social media or you see them giving the prayer downtown at the state house, you're like, I couldn't be like these guys. But then you sit down to get to know him. It's like, He's just an average guy yes. that God's using. So it's yes, and I often say that about politicians as well. We mm-hmm. we tend to think that they're caricatures or they're two dimensional. They're they're three. They're real people. Mm-hmm. Politicians hurt, feel, and bleed the same as you and I. So with them being real, then they also need people to minister to them and come alongside them. So that's what we do: is peer based ministry mm-hmm. with elected leaders. And so it's that person that can come alongside them and bump up against them and yeah. say, hey, look, um, sometimes you, you got to correct or rebuke or instruct. I don't like doing that. It's no fun. But when yeah. they're a believer, I want them to be able to do the same for me. And they mm-hmm. do. And that's so helpful to have that accountability in that yeah. arena. We might guess that the state house is a place that can be full of temptations. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of them, and you can fall quite easily. And so we want to be that entity in the state house that helps them walk in ways that are pleasing to God. Yeah. I heard the quote this week. It said, it's from John Piper. Yeah. It said, if we walk away from risk to keep ourselves safe, we waste our lives. Mm. Well, that's good. It, right? And then, of course, he wrote the book, Don't Waste well, Your did, Life, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. which is a which great is, book. It, it is a tremendous book for guys to read. If you haven't, you should, you should check that out. Correct. But yeah, I think like if you would have walked away from the risk of not doing some of these things, right? What yeah. would you be doing with your life? Yeah, so it's. Well, I believe it was it was the lady who was the inn of sixth happiness. What was her name? She was a missionary, but anyway, she was a missionary to China, and she said, "You know, I always pictured God 
probably had tried to pick somebody else, you know, and it was probably <laughs> a guy, he was probably better gifted. And yet I was the person who just said, I'll go. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel. It's like, oh, there's probably way more qualified people out sure. there. But I'm just willing to go and do it, even though it scares me to death. And the Lord does the work. He's yeah. the one doing the work. But I like your idea of risk. And because that for me probably was the riskiest thing I could have ever done was say, hey, quit the job. Yeah. So there's no money coming in. Right. Zero. I had a mortgage. You know, I have three kids mm-hmm. and a wife. My wife wasn't working outside the home. She was taking care of the kids. Yeah. You're going to launch and do nothing. I had tried to do this before with my wife because I'm this person that has comes with these crazy ideas. Yep. I'd say, honey, what about quitting my job and going to ministry? She would say, what ministry? I don't know. But let's be like Abraham and just launch out and we'll just see where God takes us. And she would look at me and say, Matt, you're no Abraham, you know, <laughs> which is really good. And so it yeah. would anchor us. And that's why it was such a surprise when she said yes to this, let's quit the job and launch into we don't know what. And God just right out of the gate began to supply our needs and has done so for almost 17 years. That's amazing yeah. that God can do. I could give you story after story of God's supernatural provision for us to a dollar. And God is faithful. Yeah. So what was the hardest part about stepping out not knowing the future? Um, I think for me, it probably was my introversion I enjoyed the political arena, but in the political arena, I'm talking, this was doing something totally new. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anyone who did this type of ministry when God called me into it. So I'm trying to figure out how do I go meet people that I don't like to meet, right? And the leaders of our state were supposed to meet them, Mm -hmm. to to meet the leaders of our state and ask them how I can pray for them. That's totally out of the box thinking. That's probably the hardest thing for me to get over that hurdle and so as I began to ask leaders how I could pray for them, they all said, hey, you need, to, you need to meet this particular senator. So I reached out to him, and we met in the chapel, and he grilled me, interrogated me for two hours, everything from how I viewed the scriptures, my personal walk with God, my prayer life, my relationship with my wife and my kids, two hours of this type of interrogation from this sitting senator. Hmm. And after the conversation was done, he said, well, he said, Matthew Barnes, you are the new chaplain of the Indiana State House." <laughs> and I was like, sir, I don't think... He said, well, that's what God's called you here to do. And that's what you're going to be. And I, I said, that seems a bit presumptuous. You can't just say that. But I said, well, that's what it is. So we walk out of the chapel. There's a senator walking by and he says, hey, Senator, this is Matt Barnes and he's the new chaplain of the Indiana State House." And I thought, you, this isn't going to work, right? Yeah. And the guy looks at me and says, well, welcome, Pastor. So glad to have you on board. Look forward to working with you. And it just went from there. I will tell you, though, RT, that first he said, hey, we have a Bible study. You should come. There was a legislative Bible study had been going for several years. He said, show up 7.30 Thursday morning. So I did. And he wasn't there yet. So I walk into the chapel. There's four or five legislators sitting around. They look at me. They've never met me before. So they ask, so who are you? Uh, well, I'm just Matt Barnes, and I'm just here to, to pray for you. Senator Cruz invited me, right? <laughs> and, and I thought that might be my past. And mm-hmm. they said, well, but this is a legislators-only Bible study. And so we're just going to ask you to leave. And I'd never been kicked out of a Bible study before. That was a whole new thing. And so I said, hey, I'm not here to run my own program. I'll I'll leave, no problem. And so I walked out and sat out in the hallway. Afterwards, that person that asked me to leave came to me uh, out in the hallway and handed me their card and said, hey, call me later. I'd like to hear your story. Mm-hmm. So I did. And after the end of that conversation, that legislator said, you know, we've been praying 
that God would send somebody just like you. So please come back to Bible study. We'd love to have you be a part of our group. So then two years later, they actually asked me to begin leading hmm. the very Bible study that I had been kicked out of. Um, see, again, God can yeah. do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it. So when you take the risk, and I think faith almost requires risk, some level of risk, that I'm willing to take a step of faith and say, God, if the only way this is going to work is if you meet the need, mm. and then he does. That's faith, and I don't have much of it. I've got a very small little bit of faith, and I'm glad he says, "Yeah, hey, if you got faith of a grain of mustard seed, right. <laughs> you, you're good to go, and so that's how I try to operate. Yeah. Okay, men, we're actually going to stop the interview right there. That's part one. We're going to come back next Thursday. So join us next Thursday for part two of the interview with Matt Barnes. Hope you have a great week.